Stirrup. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Last month, I was asked to speak at the funeral of a man who had committed suicide. In other words, he had killed himself. A few years ago, a woman that we had known for a very long time and known the entire family, everyone thought that she was a strong, strong, strong Christian. Until we heard that she had jumped from the highest bridge in the country, over 800 feet to her death. How do you make sense of these things? And these are just symbolic because the U.S. suicide rate is at at its highest since World War II. U.S. life expectancy has dropped for the third year in a row. Yep, no question about it, drugs and suicide are partly to blame. But Jill Harkovay, Friedman, Vice President of Research of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, said, I don't think there's something you can pinpoint, but I do think a period of increased stress and a lack of sense of security may be contributing. I would agree a thousand percent. So I want to take you on a two or three minute journey back through history to a period beginning around the 1960s, the early 1960s. In 1966, the very year my wife and I were married, Time Magazine came out with one of the most famous provocative covers ever. The title? Is God dead? It was the cover story for the news magazine and caused Time Magazine to take a look at what was happening in the mind and heart of so called theologians across America and around the world. Caused them to actually pen that unbelievable title, Is God Dead? Well, the New York Times, not to be left out in 1970, came out their similar article, God is dead and religion is dying. But that's not all. America's songs, the popular songs of the day, began to iterate or reiterate that theme. It was a theme of depression, a theme of discouragement, a theme of, well, as the Beatles said, he's a real nowhere man living in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Doesn't have the points of view, knows not where he's going to, isn't he a bit like you and me? Well, that was as the Vietnam War was unfolding and America was in tumult as we had rebelled against the God who made and preserved us a nation. The sexual revolution was well underway and it seemed that there was no anchor for America's soul. Then the Kingston Trio came out with a piece, a song. You may remember it, Where Have All the Flowers Gone? Where have all the flowers gone? Where have all the young girls gone? Where have all the young men gone? Where have all the soldiers gone? Where have the graveyards gone? When will they ever learn? When will they ever learn? As if it was impossible to learn because things were so depressing. Then came another song from the Beatles, Let It Be. 
When the brokenhearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer. Let it be. Though they may be parted, there is still a chance they will see. There will be an answer. Let it be. Let it be. And they had no clue what the answer would be. Because they had already abandoned the God who made and preserved us a nation. They had already abandoned hope. They had already abandoned the fear of the Lord. And now there was no anchor for the soul. And so America began to descend into darkness. The downward spiral toward increasing suicide. Today on Viewpoint, Dr. Gregory Jantz is joining us. It's been a long time since he's been on the program with us, but he's written a wonderful book called So Much to Live For, How to Provide Help and Hope to Someone Considering Suicide. So we're not here just to spill out all the depressing statistics concerning suicide, but to allow Dr. Jantz Jantz to give us some insight into what it is that we can do to help prevent this descent into darkness. So, uh, Dr. Gantz, uh, Jantz, Greg, I, I keep blending your first initial with your last name, <laughs> Gantz. Uh, you'll forgive me for that, but it's good to have you back on the program. What spawn, uh, causes you to write this book at this moment? You know, it's good to hear your voice and be with you today as well. Uh, we think about suicide, and that's not really a topic that um, I ever knew that I would write on until I started to see what was happening beginning uh, really in 2019, the last couple of years, mm-hmm. as we have watched um, suicides. And we all know uh, someone or we have a, uh, someone that's maybe a friend or family member we know uh, who has committed suicide. It, it is a difficult word to say. It's a difficult topic to talk about it, so I'm glad we're doing it today. Sure. And I really wrote this out of the need and what I'm seeing, which is a great concern. Well, indeed. Uh, In fact, uh, I have done a little preparation for today's program just to make sure I had my facts straight in this. And the reality is that uh, suicide is now the 10th leading cause of death for all ages in our country. The second leading cause of death for youth and young adults between the ages of 10 and 34. And uh, what I also discovered is that the suicide rates increased a third, 33% between 1999 and 2019, with a very small decline in 2019. So uh, what I'm seeing here, uh, Greg, if I may call you that, uh, is that if you take the baby boomers that were in their teens to their mid-twenties, say, in the period when God was declared dead. If you take that, the Beatles generation, those people that were singing, such as Simon and Garfunkel, when he was singing, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls, the sounds of silence. It was almost as if that era was screaming out, There was no anchor for the soul. Now, the very group of people that has the highest suicide rates are their children and grandchildren. Isn't that amazing? Yes, and and what we're seeing, and if we could just look at the two age groups that we're really concerned about uh, right now, and it's our our youth. Uh, We look at the numbers and what's happening, and when I say numbers, each of those represent a life. Uh, but the 12-year-olds to 
about age 17, we've seen significant increase in taking their lives. In fact, right now, it's the second leading cause of death for 12 to 17-year-olds. That's difficult to even say because you think about these are our kids, Mm -hmm. the next generation, and uh, there is such a uh, hopelessness perhaps about the future that uh, that's the second leading cause of death. Well, I think that that's right, and when you mention hopelessness, Hopeless means a lack of hope, but hope always has to have an object. And that's what we don't want to talk about generally. The sociologists don't want to talk about it because that inevitably leads back to things like God. We don't want to go there. So we'll be back after this, friends, with Dr. Greg Jantz. His book, $16, is going to put it in your hands. It's going to be so helpful, so much to live for. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismar. Our special guest today, Gregory Jantz, uh, Ph.D., uh, written a book called So Much to Live For, How to Provide Help and Hope to Someone Considering Suicide. Again, $16 is going to put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, Two three two five five. You're writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling it. You may very well have uh, someone, a friend, maybe a son, a daughter, a grandchild, who you are concerned about could very well be on the edge of suicide. And don't think it couldn't happen to you. Don't think it couldn't happen in your family, because it's happening all over the place. So, uh, Greg. As we talk about this, one of the things that uh, I have noticed is that, uh, in fact, I have a, a report right in front of me here, that the highest suicide, let's put it this way, the lowest suicide rates, believe it or not, this may come as a shock, the lowest suicide rates are in one of the most liberal areas of the country that's almost all Catholic. Connecticut, Delaware, Rhode Island, Maryland, Massachusetts, New York, and New Jersey at the bottom of the list in terms of suicide rates. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, some of this could be also beliefs that surround suicide. If I take my life, I, I'm likely doomed to go to hell. Well, of course, uh, that's, that, that is exactly the point. The point is your view of life and uh, the responsibility that we have for life, to our Creator. Yes. And we want to just pause and just think about, um, I I realize that things can get so overwhelming. Depression, anxiety, and addiction uh, oftentimes are really a big part of what's happening when a person uh, begins to feel that despair. And that despair leads you to hope 
helplessness mm-hmm. and that you you feel like there's no other option and we are our thinking then when we're in despair is it gets very um, irrational we're really not seeing reality and so we'll make some very extreme uh, decisions about our future like taking our life well it is uh no, as you said, nobody wants to talk about it. It's almost a verboten word, uh, suicide. We just don't want to put it on our lips. And yet it's happening all around us. And yet, as the title of your book says, there is so much to live for. I think you you chose an absolutely terrific title for the book. And uh, so much to live for. But th- that is exactly the problem. If you don't perceive that there's so much to live for, then you don't think there is anything to live for, and therefore you're hopeless. Yes, and and at times, you know, we all can walk through some very difficult times, and it wouldn't be uncommon for somebody to, at some point to wonder, is it worth living? Mm-hmm. But we're talking about something that goes deeper than that. Um, and there's a darkness over you. There is a sense that this is the only option I have, and and that's a scary place to be. Well, it is scary. Uh, I thought your chapter title, Descent into Darkness, was uh, uh, chapter 7, The Spiral Toward Suicide, was, was really uh, capturing the essence of what's happening. Uh, the downward spiral toward suicide, it is a descent into darkness, and it doesn't start there, but it continues that descent to words like depression and hopelessness, uh, things like that. But there are many, many factors that play into this, aren't there? Absolutely. All right. And- From your perspective as a clinician there, uh, counseling and so on, give us, give us some of your insights, your practical insights in this regard. One of the things that we need to know just practically is um, the whole area of suicide, it may be hard to understand how a person could get there and what what they're experiencing. And sometimes we're afraid to bring it up when somebody's struggling. Mm -hmm. It's like we don't use the word. But ignoring it uh, is really not the approach. So when I talk about uh, the word suicide, it's okay. If you're, you love a person, you care about them, it's probably best you say, have you ever thought about harming yourself or taking your life? Um, that's a good conversation to have. It mm-hmm. does not give them ideas. Well, you, uh, you mentioned a couple of words uh, in why do they do it. Hopelessness, we've talked about that. Feeling trapped. Uh, There are a variety of ways that people feel trapped. Isolation, uh, despair. Uh, Let's talk about isolation for a moment. We are living in a time of increasing isolation and certainly one of the fallouts of all of the the mandates toward Mary wearing masks and isolating into our homes and not going to church and all of these things have contributed massively to isolation, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. And the more isolated we are, the more we lose touch with reality and the more that we step into a sense of despair. And the more we're isolated, the probability 
uh, of addiction goes way way up. Uh, so often when a person has uh, committed suicide, we find uh, that they've been under influence of chemicals, alcohol. Mm-hmm. There is generally some chemical influence. Well, the more you isolate, the more the probability is that a person will begin to perhaps drink or uh, use drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's oftentimes part of the picture. Means of escape. Uh, and then people will attribute the suicide to the drugs or to the alcohol. That's not where the problem was. That was their effort to remedy the problem. And so the real problem was much, much deeper than that, uh, goes into even their their own life belief systems. And uh, if, if you have walked, let's say, for instance, that you... Uh, believe that uh, God will hold you accountable, that you need to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you purposely and intentionally walk away, and you fall into various different kinds of behaviors and so on, you can very easily gradually fall into a uh, an area of darkness that gives you a feeling of hopelessness. You then feel trapped, you then go into drugs, you then go into alcohol, and that's how the progression goes, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it is a progression. Sometimes it's subtle uh, and, and, and kind of sneaky in that it will absolutely uh, begin to distort your thinking. And there is a, like a tunnel uh, that a person enters that gets darker and darker. Mm-hmm. So we just want to acknowledge uh, it's a very scary place to be. Well, it is. And one of the things that really caught my attention is uh, how even secular sociologists are attributing much of this growing darkness in the minds and hearts of young people to the so-called social media that is actually creating one of the most desperate anti-social movements ever in the history of the country. Absolutely. If we really understood that, I mean, think about it. You go into a restaurant, and right now I have a picture of one that I saw in a restaurant, and a whole family gathered together around a big round table. It was a very popular restaurant, and here you had all the family, teenagers and so on, and mom and dad, and every single one of them had their cell phone up in front of their face, every single one of them. They weren't at all interested in one another. It was a pretense of being together. And that pretense carries horrific consequences, I think, over time. It does. And over time, uh, you know, it, 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 it's like a, ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be able to maintain that over time. So it's it's uh, one thing added upon another, and before too long, the perception of the person is nobody cares for my soul. Right, right. Nobody well, cares move, for my soul. You move into a place of apathy where it's like, I don't care, so nobody else can care. Mm-hmm. Uh God certainly doesn't care. And, and so we, we feel, in one word, we feel unloved. Mm-hmm. Unloved and un, maybe unworthy. And so why do I want to live? There's no reason to live. 
Right. There's no raison d'etre. No reason That's for right. being. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking uh, also about the effect of walking away from one's faith. And what I have noticed over the past, uh, I would say since the very early 1970s, it began in the educational movement. I was a public school teacher at that time in California. And they began to force teachers to teach only feelings. You could not state facts about relationships or anything else. You had to say, I feel, I feel, I feel. That began to be picked up in the church. So everything was about feelings, and faith took short shrift. Now, with the absolute lordship of feelings, there is little place for an anchor for the soul to compete with those feelings. Therefore, you capitulate, and I think that that's a lot of the driving factor behind suicide. Any thoughts from you as a psychologist? Oh, well, um, absolutely. We also know that uh, at times there's a person may have some really significant trauma in their life Mm -hmm. uh, or abuse and some things that just seem like they come up over and over and they have what we call post-traumatic stress. Right. And so... Uh, well, that's very past. real. That's very real and causing a lot of our military to uh, commit suicide. And that's, and today we're, we're uh, here uh, sharing this today on Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a day that's a high trigger point for many veterans that have felt disregarded or disrespected or dishonored, uh, where they haven't had value. And so we're seeing our veterans. Uh, and the suicide rate among our vets, um, it's alarming. And so when you feel dishonored and disrespected and not valued, and you made a huge commitment for your country, um, that's hard to reconcile. It really is. Uh, in fact, it's, it's so painful to consider that, uh, that here are people who have given their life, where they, they've lost limbs, uh, they've suffered horrific uh, PTSD problems. Uh, their families have suffered horrifically, and then they're disregarded. They're disdained as they were coming back from Vietnam. And uh, what an extremely painful situation. Then we have things like uh, financial problems and uh, unemployment. And, of course, we're finding that also endemic to the last year and a half of Americans' life uh, with the... Uh, uh, the way our government has mandated uh, separation and the destruction of businesses, and then criminal legal problems. Just uh, yesterday, I was reading about a very prominent uh, person in our general area who had committed suicide because he was under uh, a, a criminal uh, investigation and decided it's not worth it. I'm out of here. Yep. Okay. Now, Then we have things like mental disorders. Let's talk about that for a moment. You take the lead. Well, mental disorders, that's a, you know, we're right now in the middle of what we're seeing as the beginning of a mental health epidemic as a result of everything we've been through the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Mental health issues are at all-time highs. We've never seen anxiety disorder be where it is now 
And are you well finding as, are you finding that uh, in your practice? Well, here we you know we're a, a treatment center, so we're finding and work with folks from all over the country. Mm-hmm. So we're the number one thing that we see is anxiety related issues, followed by depression, followed by addiction. Well, I, I was driving behind a vehicle just the other day, and the license said anxiety. Would you want to carry a license like that? There, yeah. <laughs> that, that does say something. All right. So uh, give us a clue. Translate this into some of the things that you're actually seeing there in your practice after this uh, break that's coming up here. Friends, we're talking with uh, Dr. Gregory Jantz. His book, So Much to Live For, and indeed, you have so much to live for. Your children, your grandchildren, those in your spheres of influence have much to live for, and we need to help them find that, what they need to live for. The book is on our website, saveus.org. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. We're talking about a very serious and painful subject here today on Viewpoint. So many are committing suicide. The rate of suicide has increased uh, 33% since 1999, and uh, there's no end in sight. In fact, probably further increases are coming as a result of the dynamics that are taking place in our world, the uh, intentionalized collapse of economy, the intentionalized uh, uh, forcing, mandating of people uh, into abnormal situations, supposedly for the protection that's actually destroying them. Uh, We see these things happening, and it's bringing a sense of despair. And uh, yet there's so much to live for. And how can we provide help and hope to someone considering suicide? We want to focus on that particularly in the second half of the program here today. I want you to get a copy of this book, So Much to Live For, and uh, you just don't know. You need to have it on hand, friends, because this is prolific. This is happening everywhere. Uh, in in Christian homes, it's happening in churches, it's happening everywhere. So uh, get your copy, $16. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get it in your hands. About one death 
by suicide every 11 minutes. About 48,000 in 2019, which, by the way, was a drop uh, from the year before, a small drop, but a a drop, and now it's increasing again. And by comparison, uh, Greg, one of the things that I, I noticed is that there are about a million abortions every year Uh, which are intentionalized killing of our young. And uh, that makes the abortion rate 21 times larger than the suicide rate, which is already horrific. Uh, It seems that we're increasingly living in a death culture, doesn't it? Well, it's a dark culture, and there is uh, certainly so much that seems to promote death and that and that that darkness so there are influences and some of this is you know there are outright um, evil intent mm-hmm. so we've got to look at there is that side to that as well yeah well there certainly is now as we uh, move toward helping our loved ones move beyond crisis toward wellness we want to uh, uh, look at what can we actually do how can we identify, before it happens, what are some of the signposts that someone is descending into darkness and heading towards suicide? <clears throat> well, sometimes uh, we will see a person who has been suicidal, and then all of a sudden there is a relief, um, and they seem they've made a decision. And we don't know, because suddenly it appears that they may be doing better. Mm -hmm. Um, By that, uh, what I mean is it may appear that they are um, happier, or uh, they may suddenly start functioning better. Or it could be that they've already made their decision what they're going to do. And that's what what they've done. They've made Mm -hmm. the decision of what they're going to do, and there's a relief. Yeah. And so at times it's hard to know uh, always what's going on. This is why so often if you've had a situation and somebody's taken their life, we go, well, what, what, what did I miss? Or what could I have done differently? So remember, a lot of times it's about they're tricking us. And, and we want to have wisdom and discernment, mm-hmm. but at times we don't know. Um, and that's a difficulty. There's other times it's more clear. Well, we have to read between the lines. We have to be able to discern and see red flags or yellow flags, caution flags, uh, <clears throat> like extreme emotional swings, uh, increased isolation, withdrawing. It seems to me that those would be indications Absolutely. So they can isolate more. Suddenly we don't see them. They've cut themselves off from uh, normal groups or activities. There's times where they may also um, start to really escapism behaviors, uh, alcohol, drinking, drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They may uh, stop uh, going to work or disconnecting from normal relationships. So all those are really potential warning signs. So what do you uh, advise parents and grandparents to do? Uh, Are they supposed to be, are we supposed to be uh, uh, 
like uh, private investigators snooping around uh, looking for signs of suicide? Uh, what are we supposed to do? Well, uh, trust your discernment. Trust your gut, so to speak. Mm-hmm. There may be times where uh, you need to have a conversation and say, I'm really concerned about you. Tell me how you're doing. Um, and they may share with you, and you may follow up the question, of, uh, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Or, And just beginning to have a deeper dialogue, if they will allow that, and many times they will. Uh, then uh, we want to help them get the help they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it's saying, I want to work with you to, um, to really get some help that, uh, for you and kind of taking the lead on that. Um, you know, we don't ever want to do this alone, so don't, don't think of this in terms of this is all my responsibility to do all this. No, we need to begin to share the responsibility. It's too much for one person. Mm-hmm. The number of people who think about or attempt suicide in 2019 was about 12 million American adults who seriously thought about suicide. 3.5 million of those planned a suicide attempt, and 1.4 million actually attempted suicide, but only about 48,000 actually completed. Uh, there are a lot of people we're talking about here, aren't there? You know, and, and the numbers could even be higher because, yes. um, you know, so much of this is hidden. Hello? Yep, I'm oh, here. I, I lost you there for a moment. Oh, okay. Or I thought I did anyway. All right. Now, when you're there in your practice and you're you're dealing with whole person wellness, what does that look like? How do you describe that? You know, to really get to the core issues that how a person got led to a place of feeling suicidal, we've got to deal with those core issues. We've got to look at the whole person. Mm-hmm. What does the whole person look like? Well, there is the obviously there's the physical side, how, mm-hmm. how we take care of ourselves. Are there medical issues that are complicating things? Uh, is there, uh, what's the nutrition? What's, is there exercise? So we want to look at that physical side, mm-hmm. but we also want to look at, well, emotionally, uh, where are the loose ends? Has there been a strong betrayal, uh, some trauma, some abuse? What are the things in that person's life? And if it's a vet, um, you know, what was the trauma? And really to begin to understand some of those. We also know that we need to look at the spiritual side and mm-hmm. uh, what well what do I believe and what do I believe about God and so we began to look at these factors and we began to actually uh, break down the, the pieces of the whole person um, and you know what's the dreams what's the the person had for their life um, where would they really want to go and be? Um, you know, they really probably have lost a sense of who they were designed and their giftedness. So this is a process of the whole person. Once again, they have lost their zone detra, their reason for being. Uh, they have no vision, and where there's no vision, the people perish. And uh, all of these biblical principles apply 
uh, when we're thinking about the whole person. Uh, if you do not have a strong, uh, not only belief in, an intellectual belief in, but actual relationship with the Lord, uh, you have set yourself, it seems to me, at great risk. Uh, yeah. If, on the one hand, you once did have a strong relationship with the Lord and fall away, you're at even greater risk because now you realize that you're out of relationship and you're accountable for that. And if you if you choose in your mind and in your heart to rebel, uh, that is going to deepen your sense of isolation uh, and, and I think actually capit yourself, capitulate yourself down into an ever-deepening darkness. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we are, because uh, what we're seeing is a falling away. For instance, in 19, let's see, what is it, 1992, 97% of Americans claim to believe in God. And uh, about 85% claim to be Christian, at least in moral precept. Uh, Now that number has declined to about 70-some percent who believe in God and far fewer who claim to be Christian, at least in moral precept, not necessarily having a relationship with the Lord. And so what we're doing is defining deviancy down and collapsing the very foundations, not only of the country, but the foundations of life itself, it seems. This is pretty serious business. Well, it really is. And, and uh, you know, if we, if we put this in a bigger context, and it's not just about, okay, am I going to be able to fulfill uh, my dream to become a pilot? Or am I going to fulfill my dream to become a doctor? Am I gonna... It's much bigger than that. Because what we're talking about is the kingdom of God. We're right. talking about a much bigger picture and if we're on the near edge of the second coming this has even more profound significance it seems to me we'll talk about that when we get back our special guest dr gregory jance his book so much to live for indeed we have get this book for your friends and your relatives have you ever considered what the early church was like Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. We're talking with Dr. Gregory Jantz uh, concerning the matter of suicide. He's on a mission to save lives. Uh, His book, So Much to Live For, 
I'm looking at his handsome visage on the back of his book here. And, uh, Greg, you're living up there in the northwest, the land of tree huggers, uh, radical disbelievers, uh, unbelievers. And uh, not only that, but you're living in an area where the sun only shines about 40 days a year. Doesn't that contribute to uh, depression and uh, <laughs> the Prozac generation? Oh, you know, we're in a beautiful area. Of course you um, are. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are some wonderful uh, people here. We're blessed to be here despite all the surrounding uh, challenges that we've all had to walk through. And uh, we're celebrating our 38th year. Mm -hmm. And we have the great privilege of working with folks who come in for help uh, all over the country. So we're uh, we're still passionate about the work that God has called us to do. All right. Well, that's great. Does environment, though, have an effect upon people's uh, thinking, upon the way they look at life, the way they feel? It seems to me that there is a reason why the... Uh, uh, level of Prozac use is highest in the Northwest? Well, I think, too, there's the times that maybe there's a mentality of, well, I, uh, you know, I'm just going to take this pill. You know, and we really believe in the whole person approach. That means we've got to look again at all those missing pieces to the puzzle. If I have a thyroid issue, I may be experiencing anxiety and depression. That's why we've got to, it's, it's more than just seeing a pill right uh as as the single source or a single solution yeah well i agree with that now if we are on the near edge of the second coming which a growing number of people believe that we are uh it seems to me it puts this discussion in even more serious uh consequences uh because there is accountability for life the God who gave us life also gave us liberty, but he also first gave us life. And uh, one of the Ten Commandments is that we should not take life, uh, not murder. And uh, the question is, is suicide self-murder? That's a tough one for psychologists because you don't want to say it, but uh, it's killing oneself, and if we're made in the image of God, then we're killing the image of God, are we not? Well, yes, I think what happens is when a person is in such a place of despair, mm -hmm. again, we lose all irrational thinking. Right. So, so it's very important for us uh, to keep our thinking rational. And one of the ways that we do that, uh, the Bible tells us to guard our thoughts and guard our hearts or out of it are the issues of life. Uh, we're living in a time, though, in which people are not very prone to guard their thoughts, to guard their hearts. If they were, they wouldn't be spending so much time on social media. They wouldn't be, 50,000 of our young sure. people wouldn't have been down there in Houston involved in a hellish uh, expression of pursuit of a synthetic authenticity for life. Uh this is what we're dealing with in, in this time. Yes, 
again, that all that is adding to the despair. Well, it's an expression of their despair. When 50,000 of them gather together, and if you've seen any of the scenes and what goes on in the choreography of uh, uh, the man who heads up this, he has 43 million people that are following him on Instagram. What is it that they're following? They're not following anything that's guarding their thoughts. No, they're actually investing their thoughts in depression and destruction. And it seems to me that this is uh, the trajectory that we're experiencing. And if we have families, uh, Christian families, parents and grandparents need to start getting much more serious about guarding the minds and hearts and experiences of our children. Well said. And then also, you mentioned dwell in an attitude of gratitude. I think this is so important. Because if you're not grateful, you're ungrateful. And if you're ungrateful, then you start complaining. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. That's what kept them out of the promised land. God delivered two and a half, three million of them out of the iron furnace, the the iron fist of Pharaoh, a type of Antichrist, and yet only two of 600,000 men that came out of Egypt were allowed into the promised land. Why? Because they had another spirit. This complaining and ungrateful spirit, I think, is a huge, huge issue. And the positive side of it is in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. How do you see gratitude and thanksgiving as as important in the life of those uh, that you're dealing with there? You know, gratitude um, happens as I feel hope. And hope comes when I have a plan. A plan meaning a plan for my well-being, plan for my future. And so as we look at gratitude, gratitude then promotes a sense of optimism. I have optimism for my future. Mm-hmm. I can see a different future. Uh, we know that many times uh, gratitude, uh, if I'm able to change from a different point of view and, and look at the things that uh, I can sincerely and be humbled with gratitude, I begin to open up uh, kind of a space in my brain and allow for some different thinking. Mm-hmm. Um when gratitude enters in. Absolutely. Start every day, maybe start a gratitude journal. Start it every day with maybe three gratitudes and just begin to watch what will happen. I think that one of the greatest remedies, it may not be written in the psychology books. When I studied psychology back in, uh, in college, I don't remember gratitude having been listed there as one of the important uh, things to deal with. But uh, from God's perspective, it's huge. Because if I'm not grateful, then I'm, by definition, I'm ungrateful. And if I'm ungrateful, the next thing is I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to start into a realm of bitterness. And the scripture says that if we're going to avoid anything, we've got to avoid allowing a root of bitterness to dig deeply. But a bitter person, it seems to me, 
can very well set themselves up for suicide. Absolutely. And that bitterness and that resentment turns inward, and it's really a, a, a toxicity to our entire self, and it it robs us in our relationships. We don't even realize really fully what it's doing to us. Mm-hmm. It makes us, uh, makes us probably sick in many different ways. But let's pause and, go, and look at, okay, I need healing. I need healing from resentment. I need healing from the anger or betrayal. And we've got to find a place. Uh, what do I need to do to be free of this? Because that's what begins to open up gratitude and a different future. Well, forgiveness is a big entry uh, into that. And uh, if we're not willing to forgive, then we're living right. in unforgiveness. And and Christ himself said uh, that the Father could not forgive us if we won't forgive others their trespasses against us. So uh, it seems to me that in reality, God's word speaks pointedly to the very gateways into the descent into darkness and uh, that leads to suicide, if only right. we would believe. And, and, and maybe we need to walk alongside somebody who can really help us with that, mm-hmm. change our environment, uh, seek help. Uh, there's times we need to really seek more of an intensive type situation, similar to what we do here, where we've really got to be surrounded in order for there to be um, really a sense of hope. Um, We need others. In your practice there, well, we do need others. In fact, uh, uh, in the book of Hebrews, we're told that as we see the day of the Lord's return approaching, times are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. And it says that we should not seek the gathering of ourselves together as the sum, as the matter of some is, but the more so, we should be gathering together uh, for encouragement, for building up, for protection against the deceitfulness of sin, and yeah. so on. This is as critically important, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So, it's it's a time, and we think about uh, the season that we're in, and this is a time where. Um, Suicides tend to go up during mm-hmm. fall and winter months, and this could be an opportunity, a time to, to seek help. Like um, uh, this is an opportunity to change a direction, and that's really what I want to encourage. Don't uh, don't let another day go being stuck in despair. Yeah. And uh, if you need a coach, if you need a mentor, if you need a helping hand, if you need somebody to come alongside, uh, I mean, even Jesus said that he had to leave so that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, would, the alongside one, would come uh, to lead us into all truth, to take us by the hand and lead us into all truth, and to keep us... saw that as so much of a necessity, then we need to be Jesus with skin on uh, to do that with others. Well said. All right. Now you have, tell us a bit about your uh, your group up there in the northeast, excuse me, northwest. Well, we're the center at Place of Hope, and uh, 38 years, we're a facility that does personalized 
uh, we build treatment teams for folks. So it's not a situation where you come in and everybody gets the same thing. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, really, if you will, a custom built based upon a person's needs. And we really uh, are seeing that this anxiety and depression and addiction mm-hmm. is uh, at significant level. Yeah. And are you using the scriptures in a significant way? Well, we're a faith-based program, and we have groups that people can attend to explore faith. And so from that vantage point, we know that our, our foundation is really God's love and grace, that, mm-hmm. um, and, and God is God is the healer. Right. Yeah. And uh, when we talk about healing, I'm, on this program, we're always going for the root of the matter. The heart of the matter is always yeah. the heart. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I have noticed, Greg, over the past, uh, say, 30 years, is the tendency in our churches and among our pastors and others to avoid what the Bible calls for to really receive healing, and that re- begins with repentance, confession of sin, repentance, and turning from it, and obeying God, and yeah. rather trying to do an end run around those foundational things and achieve healing uh, through some other uh, alternative means. So the message, instead of repenting of sin, becomes come and be healed. How do you respond? Well, yeah. Quickly. Um, We need to come and be healed. Uh, That's faith right there, what you described. And it's for for everyone. Yeah. All right, friends. So much to live for. You and I have so, so much to live for. How to provide help and hope to someone considering suicide. This is the moment of truth. We're in the valley of decision in this regard. Get a copy of this helpful book. $16. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. And uh, would you seriously consider becoming a partner, friends? As you know, we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. So join us. Become a partner. Make your generous gift right there on the website, saveus.org, or write to us. God bless. So much to live for. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.